Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and God bless you for matriculating into another edition of Springboard, your virtual university. Springboard is a multimedia education and personal development intervention, the best of its kind running since August 2008, brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition, Joy 99.7 FM. Tonight on Springboard, interestingly, we're talking about healthcare, health and fitness. What a day to talk about a subject like that. Healthcare along with education are two of the biggest drivers, the biggest issues, the biggest consumers of budget in several countries across the world. It's something that every one of us is concerned about. And so tonight, as we continue to explore how to make life easier, more convenient, more effective, more fulfilling, we turn our attention to health and fitness. My guests for tonight, Dr. Paddy Aiti, is the medical director at Resolve Hospital. He will provide some answers for us. And I have also in the studio, Dr. Pukuari Ampuma from the Reconstructive and the Benz unit of the Kolebu Teaching Hospital, the Plastic Surgery Unit. They, they are the ones who put our bodies together. Welcome to Springboard, um, Dr. Aiti and Dr. Pukuari Ampuma. Thank you. Thank you. Let me start with you. Um, I almost mentioned <laughs> that name from Legon several years ago. But Dr. Ampuma, let me start with you. Yeah. Obviously, after yesterday, it's only fair that we start from the, the, the part of our lives that many people are concerned about. After yesterday's disaster, it must be a, a trying time for the, the, the medical fraternity. Give us an idea about where we are trending. Are we good? Um, yes, um, yes and no. Uh, Yesterday's disaster, from the description of the way things went, I can, and looking at the number of casualties reported so far, and look at the severity, I can only say that uh, God has been merciful to us as a country. Mm. Because if you look at the intensity of the explosion and the fact that even uh, houses uh, several hundred meters away got windows breaking and things like the blast effect and all that, means that potentially could have been. But the sequence of events was such that uh, at the time that those uh, explosions occurred, I think people were started running away from the epicenter. So that um, that kind of um, mitigated the effect somewhat. Although, unfortunately, we still lost some lives, but it wasn't as disastrous as it could have been. The other reason why I say this is that generally when gas leaks, gas is heavier than air. And so usually it forms a sort of carpet on the floor and can spread several hundred meters afield. And when it catches a source of ignition, it explodes. In this case, for some reason, the gas sort of went up instead. So the first manual explosion that occurred, occurred over the heads of people. So that created a panic. People started running before the subsequent bigger explosions occurred. And that, I think, was a saving grace there because... Even the first initial explosion could have been very, very deadly, very, very devastating. Mm. So, uh, and this also brings to question the idea of preventive uh, measures. Because uh, myself and my colleagues who are involved in taking care of burn patients have been talking about this thing for the past several years. If you go on the 
uh, uh, you know, internet, look at previous news reports. We've been always been talking about this and about health and safety. In fact, uh, before months before this uh, circle thing happened, for instance, a few months before, I started, uh, there was a program I attended at Obrasport, which is just a few hundred meters from this scene of this uh, of that accident. And I said to, and there are a set of government officials there, and I meant, told them that a lot of these filling stations are disasters waiting to happen because one, their location, two, the safety culture. Because you don't put dangerous things where there's a lot of crowd. If you, elsewhere, even if they're going to put a filling station in a commercial area, they'll put it at the back somewhere, at the end of the car park, so that in the, there's, there's, a, there's a, some clearance in the immediate vicinity of of this filling station. But you can see, nowadays we have in this situation where filling stations tend to be multi-purpose areas where we have even churches, uh, you know, so there are filling stations. We have, uh, you know, uh, shops. We have uh, different kinds of commercial activities going right, uh, you know, at those premises. And so when something like this happens, you can imagine the uh, potential, uh, you know, loss of life that can occur. So I think this is a wake-up call and even in the in the uh, in the wake of the June 30th, uh, we still have uh, filling stations springing up in already built up areas, and residents have been protesting, etc. And uh, seems to be falling on deaf ears. So we are pleading with those who are in charge of our health and safety that we need to uh, be up and doing about some of these things. And I don't know how many of these filling stations actually even have leakage detectors, which will alarm when 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 when, when there is a leak. Because for some of the, these things, sometimes the leak may occur and people may not notice. Or sometimes even our uh, attenders, they have become, you know, used to the smell of these things. So they don't really, uh, but in this situation, I think we're told that they evacuated, which was a, 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 a good thing that they, they did. And that probably led to. So we are pleading, I plead again to the powers that be that let's not just uh, continue with the usual rhetoric we, we, we organize some donation for the victims and we commiserate to the families and then after a while everybody goes back to the way things were. Let's let us let's, let's try and make a, a you know a, a change this time. Beyond the saving grace, you you, you you speak of a situation where we we are not we are not compliant to the extent that we should be from your own personal perspective. If I gave you a free range to score us for on the scale of one to ten, ten being highly compliant with safety procedures and one being the lowest level where would you put us from your own I think perspective I'll put us around four around four yeah lots of room for improvement yes it's a subject we'll discuss in much detail later but thanks for your perspective dr pukwari Puma, from the reconstructive and burns into the collaborative teaching hospital but let's settle to today's discussion um dr Aite, you've been listening very quietly as um, dr Puma uh, spelled out how badly we are doing in terms of compliance. But let's come back to health and fitness as, as a whole. This, this, this show is noted for discussions about productivity, economic empowerment, taking opportunities, building ourselves up. Is there a correlation between health and fitness and economic productivity for the individual and for the community as a whole? Well, certainly there is. Um, we say what a sound mind lives in a healthy body. But... And that is like it generally runs across. If if I think two of our biggest reasons for poor productivity in this country are malaria and traffic. We spend too much time in traffic, and too many people get malaria. But the end result is that once you are not well, you are not able to work like the way that um, you should. And 
even if you are able to go to work, your productivity is not as good as the way um, um, it could have been. So there is, there, 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 if you want to ensure that you are going to be productive either at work or ensure that your company is going to be running the way it should, one of the things you have to take care of is your health, the health of yourself, the health of your, of, of your staff. So there is a direct correlation between the two. So on the on the national front, um, Piwari, how how why is why is the crucial issue for us as we think about building our country, making our country better? Of how critical is health in all this discussion? And I think um, Dr. Ete rightly stated that uh, we need health to ensure productivity, etc. But even going beyond that, uh, we, we I mean we have a number of issues. First of all, if you look at, let's say, infant mortality, for instance, if your children are dying young, okay, then that, that is a big problem for any country because these children are the future of any society. Any society where your children are dying, uh, you know, in large numbers, then you, 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 have, you, have, you, have, you have a problem because these are uh, those who are going to take over the reins uh, or, the, or, or the economic activity in the country. And so you need you need you need children who are sound. And the other thing is that if these children are suffering from malnutrition, etc., uh, deprivation, and all that, and their brains don't develop properly, their bodies don't develop properly, then how are they going to uh, develop their mental capacity to be able to think of the big ideas, the innovations, and things that will transform uh, our economy or transform the country? So it's very very important because sometimes the children are in school and they are not doing well, not because uh, of uh, lack of, uh, not, 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 not you know, but because one they have they're suffering from all these conditions, worm infestation, so many other things. So they, they they don't even have that mental concentration to be able to study and to be absorbed and to, be able to develop that skill and knowledge that will make them world leaders or world class citizens. So so that is very important. The other aspect about health is that sometimes when people have even survived this initial. Uh, you know, uh, childhood issues and become adults, for instance, because of uh, poor health or poor health care systems. Sometimes somebody has a little problem which should have been, could have been treated. Uh, we, we end up losing them. Sometimes road traffic accidents are claiming a lot of young people. We can even remember some very, uh, uh, some people who were heads of organizations or people who were in government or in various sectors playing very critical roles and who we've lost prematurely because of uh, you know, either road traffic or poorly managed, uh, uh, you know, uh, disease conditions. And then life expectancy is one of the, uh, uh, you know, things. Because even when the nation has invested in people, if you have a country where you have a low life expectancy, then, of course, at the time that you've invested so much and people are at the critical stage where they are making impact, you end up losing them uh, before their time. So, so all those things impact on 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 the on the uh, uh, you know on the on the economy so i think health uh, it's one of the key issues that uh, uh, would help to determine uh, how productive or uh, you know a country becomes right dr Ita, you've always been a, a technology person always curious about new smart ways of doing things i mean all through the years that i've known you, you've always wanted to find out how things can be done differently and those are the Underpinning issues, I'm sure, that led to the formation of result. But let's this show is about smart solutions, how we can use especially emerging technologies to make life simpler, less expensive, more efficient, more convenient. Is healthcare 
experience the delivery of healthcare across the world? Is it is it experiencing this revolution? I mean, go to retail, go to entertainment, go to education, go to sports, and technology is making life so so easy. Things that you probably need a month to do at the click of a button, you can get it done in real time. You can even predict what will happen in the future. Is healthcare experiencing the same technology revolution, making things smarter, easier, more convenient? Certainly. I mean, it's, we are, healthcare is not left behind. And there are so many examples, right down from when you your initial encounter at the hospital. Uh, you know how we typically do it. You go to the hospital and then you ask for information and they write it down for you and then they give you a folder and you carry it all over the place. Now we have um, setups where you can actually enter your information before you get to the hospital. Some some institutions you can actually chat with the hospital staff about whatever issues that you have to do. Um, um, that is instant messaging. Um, you can book your appointments. You can you can even when you get to the hospital. Are, a lot of hospitals are using iPads where you you enter, you fill a questionnaire. Most of your medical information is uploaded. You can actually send your documents um, and have them put on the uh, on the system. Um, in the hospital practice itself, you can, yeah, with the use of now you're using software, electronic health records. So all your information is put into a, a database. That means that A, you can share the information better. B, you, the client yourself, can get access to the, your own medical information. Um, we can collect all that information together to get um, data that we can use to research what problems people are, 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 are going through. We've got practice management softwares that allow you to run your practice more efficiently to know where you are making money, where you are losing money, um, and things of that sort. In the actual care of the patient, technology has transformed you know, so many things. First of all, the patients themselves Google a lot, so by the time they come to the clinic, they come with their notebook with a list of 20 questions, and they're telling you, I read this, I read that, I read this, I read that. It's quite helpful, actually, because the patient is informed, they're educated, and they're able to contribute to their care. Then in the actual care themselves, there's you know so many different areas. The smartphone, for instance, has transformed healthcare from being, first of all, for us, it's a tool that we can use to communicate to one another. Um, I had a client that had a problem recently. I called him and asked for advice. He told me what to do. Um, immediately, I Googled the product that he was telling me that I should go and buy, went to the place to look for it, ordered some online from abroad. The person was traveling, went there, picked the product, and was able to use it and get the job done. I have to tell you the story later oh. on. Um, um, that client, for instance, they actually went to a hospital there and they used pig, they did a pig graft for her burn and covered it with pig skin. Wow. And then they took the pig skin off after a period of time and then dressed the wound. The wound is looking beautiful. I'll, I'll, I'll take it, I'll get a picture for it. It's really looking beautiful now. And this is a burn that happened just about a month ago and it's been treated nicely and it's, it's, it's gone, it's, it's, it's looking very good. Um, in my field, which apart, is apart from the pig, everybody will be fine with this. <laughs> you can and actually have tilapia too. <laughs> tilapia grafting, <laughs> really? Yes, and then uh, the mo- if, if, when the person is a Muslim, you don't use, you can the, use the pig. Poster. You can use uh, uh, you know uh, bovine from a cow, uh, right. or if you if you from a human, uh, you know donated skin. Wow. And then uh, in, in my field in in, OB, in OBGYN, you can, if, if, you, if you try and fibroids before, what, what do we do? You have to cut your tummy to do it. Now you can do your surgery laparoscopically. When you finish your surgery, you just have two, three holes on your tummy. Two small one-centimeter holes or three of them, and your surgery is done. We, in my hospital now, we can remove fibroids 
that are causing heavy bleeding without cutting you at all. Because if you go through the, through the vagina into the womb with a, an instrument and actually with a, a camera, look, see it, cut the fibroid out, get out. And the patient gets up and she's able to go home without a single cut on her, on her, on, on her body. Recently, they have developed, there are robots that they are trying to put in your body as a capsule that you swallow to allow the robot to do certain procedures inside. But you swallow the robot? Yeah, you swallow a small robot. And then they'll control Sounds the robot. scary. Yeah, they'll control the robots to be able to do things inside your tummy. But somebody is developing a new method by which the robot will go with a suitcase. And the suitcase contains various things that the robot will wear to do this job. Maybe you have to cut here. So he wear the cutting suits and cut you. Then take off the cutting suit and wear the sewing suit and sew where he has to sew. That is being developed right now. Absolutely amazing. Then there's um, um, what some, a robot they call a Da Vinci. The Da Vinci is a robot that you can operate on you and a person operating on you is in America. Right. And the Da Vinci robot is here. So I, maybe I'm the doctor here and I can't use the Da Vinci, but I've got access to it. We put you there. We make small holes. We put the robot instrument inside. The person is sitting in America behind a model of it, sticks his head inside in his hands and does the full surgery for you from that distance. And that's Da Vinci. And it's called Da Vinci, yes. It was actually developed because of army and, and war injuries. Right. But subsequently, it's, it's quite common. It's a very expensive machine. And I've, I've seen it operate uh, and before when I was in Western Michigan. So for the technological advantages, they are numerous. Um, I was talking about a smartphone. Now you can actually... Um, a smartphone has actually replaced a lot of big machines. You can do a hysteroscopy, which is looking inside the uterus, and just put a small telescope connected to the camera of your smartphone. You can see everything that is going on inside there. Even for now, for corposcopy, examination of the cervix for cervical cancer, connect a smartphone to adapter, and, and, and then the adapter just looks inside and t- can tell you the vision. We've bought an ultrasound machine that is, that is Wi-Fi and Bluetooth enabled, which are used by midwives. So the midwife can do an ultrasound anywhere in the hinterland, then trans- send the images through the internet to a clinician elsewhere and say, this is what I saw, and get an immediate response. There's a project I'm on right now that we have an app that a, a, a nurse can see a client and enter certain questions in that, in that app. The moment the app detects that the parameter you've measured, you've entered are high, high BP, protein in your, in your anything like that, the app notifies the clinician device and I don't know how many kilometers, I, I mean, across the internet. So informing him that oh, this, is, this patient has just been seen by this nurse, this is the problem that has occurred, and expect a phone call. If you don't get a phone call, you are calling the person to say, I have seen that you've had this problem with this client, and then you're able to uh, um, discuss it. Some of these things I mentioned are available here now, but a lot of these things too are not available uh, uh, um, um, immediately. And that brings me to the next question I'm going to ask Dr. Ampuma. I mean, I'm smiling as he describes, I mean, forgive me, I mean, Paddy talks about medicine and makes it sound like he's talking about entertainment, but it's all right. I mean, he talks about beautiful wound. I mean, how can you talk about beautiful and wound in the same sentence? But I forgive him. He's always been like that. Let me come to you, Dr. Ampuma. Should we refuse to talk about these things because some of them may sound expensive? No, I think uh, expensive is a relative word, term because uh, if you, for everything, you have to look at the cost-benefit analysis. So uh, that's why elsewhere, these things are quantified. So if before, let's say, when they are doing the research and development for any product, they look at what will be the cost savings. Because if you're going to do a procedure, okay, let's say you could do, uh, let's say for what is talking about, minimally invasive surgery, for instance. If you do it open, that's the old way, 
and maybe the patient will have to stay in hospital for a week or two. But then you can do the same procedure in a minimally invasive fashion and the person can walk home sometimes the same day or even the next day. Okay. Then you can look at the sort of cost savings because if this right. is a very busy executive who is at work or entrepreneur who is generating money, capital, they can't afford to have that, that long downtime. You get me? So, 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 so you have to look at things from the cost benefits and sense. But sometimes the problem with many developing countries is that because we do not uh, value time and we do not value productivity, so we do not see the essence of some of these things. But actually, they, they, they make a lot of sense. Right. If, 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 if you look at things uh, critically. I can imagine that for a very busy hospital, we complaining we don't have beds exactly. and the doctor-patient ratio is not advantageous. Yes, so, so, so I was going to come to that. Right. Um, let's say if in terms of using of resources, for instance, you can have a hospital. So if you have a hospital, let's say you have a large patient load, a long waiting time. And you can do a procedure where the patients will be out in two days, as in as opposed to one where one patient will block a bed for about a week or more. Then you, you, you see where you can, because then you 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 still keep on paying the backlog. If you have a, a and in fact, countries like Ghana, where we have a shortage of manpower, we actually should be the ones actually exploiting right. these innovations because uh, it helps you, the doctor. Like, let's say if you have even one doctor serving a district, for instance, if some of these things are available, then he doesn't have to be physically present in all the locations. If he has some good assistants who are in those locations, then through all these innovative, like uh, uh, the use of uh, ICT, he can be able to uh, give that same quality of care to patients without actually being physically present. And if it's something that myself, we are even trying to exploit, uh, we have a new center coming and we were looking at getting. A teleconferencing or video conferencing units in the in the so that uh, because at the moment as you speak, reconstruction uh, uh, services are not available in eight out of the ten regions in Ghana. Right. So uh, there is a doctor in a district who has a problem and needs somebody to help. So you can through this means be able to see exactly what he's doing so that you can guide them as to what to do. Okay, so that even if the patient will need to be transferred eventually, they can mitigate the situation before they try. Instead of the situation where uh, they are kind of on the out on their own and not sure what to do and things like that. So these are things that I think, uh, and they are not, for some of these things, they are not that expensive. Of course, some of the robotic things are very, very expensive. But there are some other innovations that are really not that expensive. Uh, uh, and even if you take uh, an area like public health, for instance, using GPS tracking. You know, like if you have uh, uh, maybe a disease outbreak or whatever, you can use real-time GPS tracking to know the location of the, so that you can be able to immediately tell whether you have an epidemic on your hands and what to do to, uh, uh, you know, mitigate the situation before it gets out of hand. So these are, uh, 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 you know, things that, uh, <laughs> to me, they, 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 they are, they are, it's a no-brainer, if, if right. you ask me. Interestingly, it would look to me as if, the poorer you are as a country, the more you will rather need these technologies exactly. Exactly. to optimize exactly. the resources that you have. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Iti, I'm personally very excited about telemedicine, the ability of the ability to have one one resource or one person in one location helping somebody out in a different location because it fits very much within the Ghanaian context. Mm -hmm. 
let me ask you what are the what are the enablers that can make something like this happen in real time on a on a frequent basis here in Ghana? What are the enablers? Hmm. By enablers, you mean what are the things that can make it happen? Because I'm, I'm just excited about it, but hey, can we have it happening this year, next year? Oh, what will it take? Um, it takes a commitment, especially right. a commitment. We've been talking, for instance, about the e-government platform for quite some time. We've been talking about e-procurement in this country for quite some time. Um, yes, we have the dinosaurs, for lack of a better word, who either benefit from the existing system or don't quite understand what you are trying to do, the things that you have to come up with. And then we have the conventional way of doing things that gives us a significant inertia. But thankfully nowadays we are getting uh, the, 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 the clinicians and the administrators, uh, they actually grew up with technology. Right. So they are exposed to this on a regular uh, basis. If, 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 if part of your education requires that you look at either do an elective or a short course somewhere else, you see some of these things coming into, into, into play. Um, in my field, for instance, when I did my rotation in Michigan, the gentleman who was like, he was just a year older than me, but he had just finished his minimal invasive um, surgery course, and he, was, he had come back as a lecturer in the department. That gentleman has gone up to become one of the top minimal invasive surgeons in America. He's got instruments named after him. Because they're the companies who actually come to you and say, how can we make this better? Right. And I actually got instruments named after him. And these are the kind of things that it, it shouldn't be too difficult for us to do similar things in this country. We know what our problems are. We know the kind of things that we need to do to get us where we want. But what is really important for us as, a, as, 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 as whatever, individu- whatever individual, whoever you are, whoever you are, you must be an adapter. Choose what method it is that you want to use to improve your system. We are very good copiers. Eventually, we'll come around. Even the uh, old people will come around and write a crack and say, this works. This makes sense. This makes um, things happen. If we say we are going to try and get it from the top, it's difficult. It's difficult to change an entire system. But once you are using it here, you are using it here, you are using it in different centers, and people are copying from each other one by one, the system eventually comes around to recognize the fact that this is what we should do. Now, one of the things that we are trying to change, for instance, in cervical cancer, we say pap smear, pap smear, pap smear. Then a technology has come that says, you know something, the truth is that the cancer comes from a virus. So why don't you just test for the virus? So we are still fighting as to, oh, should we do the pap smear or do the virus? And we are arguing about it. Other countries have just looked at the research and said, you know something, Vi- test the virus for everybody. And the virus, you can test it yourself. Put a stick inside, turn it around, put it in a bottle. You don't have to go and lie down and raise your legs and do anything of that sort and put it in a machine. The machine tells you whether you have the virus or not. If you don't have the virus, see you in five years. If you have the virus, then we test you a bit more frequently. We did it. There's a center in Ghana that is doing it, you know, right now. We didn't need governmental approval or anything of that sort. The good thing is that when things are not too, you know, logged in stone, you can create a path. You can chart a path. And I believe we should, as individuals, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, look for the best method that can be done using technology. And once we show success and we show it consistently, it will become universally adopted. But waiting for it to come from the top is hard. I'll, I'll comment on that after I hear Dr. Ampuma, who's been signaling <laughs> that he wants to make an input to this one. I'm going to compare the two answers and, and tell you about Estonia. Dr. Ampuma, talk to me. 
Yes, um, the, the enablers. I think um, one of the things you need, basic thing you need is highly trained individuals, right? Or in high, who are highly motivated and passionate about what they do. Because all these technologies, all these innovations that have come about are because you have individuals who are, have a highly trained one and number two are passionate about what they do. You know, if when you have these two things, everything else follows in place. Because as for the leadership, I mean, we still have things to do with leadership, political world, etc. I think leadership also is important in our setting because you can imagine that, let's say, the First Republic, for instance, um, there was no medical school. Okay, Kwame Nkrumah decided one time, look, you guys called this Pobedu, uh, Ismon, and others that, look, you guys have experienced enough to say, so, uh, you know, go ahead, start, give them some support. And now we have one of the best medical schools in Africa, if you ask me. Okay, but this is because there's leadership that gave, you know, strong direction and, 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 be, and believed in, 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 in the people. Right. You know, so, so, so that helps a lot. Okay, so that when the leadership sort of uh, uh, gives, creates a big vision, a big picture that people work towards. It helps a lot and then also provides a reasonable support. The other uh, thing that uh, the title talk of which I also want to battle is also about culture. Like, uh, sometimes uh, we should have our the medical fraternity or the, the medical field tends to be rather more conservative than it should be. But now things are changing elsewhere. You know, there, there's that dynamic where everybody's trying to explore newer ways, cheaper ways of the simpler ways of doing things. So we need to also be more adaptive and more embracing of new ideas. The, the thing is that in medicine, uh, there's also the safety issue. So you don't just be the first to jump onto the uh, banner. You have to make sure that whatever you are doing is safe. So once we something has been proven to be safe or feasible, then we should be able to um, uh, create the environment uh, where it will be appropriately tested. You know, and when it is it works, we should be ready to adopt it. Sometimes we don't believe in our own selves, and that's why because we, we, there are uh, res, the research that has been done at Noguchi and other places, which are uh, you know uh, which are innovative. But then even within country, we've not adopted it. Bright Simon developed something that was used to check for fake drugs, which is a problem Everybody, in that part yeah, of the world. Yes, right. but have we adopted it in Ghana? No. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the uh, 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 things that I'm talking about. That. As the environment should be should be such that when people come up with these innovations, we should be ready to so give them appropriate support so that they, they, it becomes part and parcel of the system. Quick, quick one to you, Doctor. Into this uh, um, um, external knowledge asking on Facebook: Aren't there side effects using these technologies, the Da Vinci and the robots and the swallowing them? <laughs> Are there any side effects? I quickly? always find it interesting when people ask about the the, the side effects. Why? Because they seem to be obsessed with side effects so instead of looking at what the benefits are. Shouldn't they when, be? When they, look, when they do the cost-benefits analysis, they look at the costs, but they don't look at the benefits. Um, <clears throat> the surgery is a surgery. And so all the risks of surgeries exist with this surgery. But the benefits exceed the benefits that you have with the other um, technologies in almost every single uh, um, um, case. When I, when I was 14, I was diagnosed with an eye problem with, with high eye pressures. I remember at that time, you lie on a bed, they put some drops on your eye which burns, and then they put some spring something on your eye. Actually, you have to keep your eye open. And then an arrow uh, moves on a scale, and it tells them what the eye pressure is. 
Now when I go and test my eyes, I put my chin on something and they blow air. And just that blowing of air, they are able to measure what my eye pressures are. Uh, I can't tell you what the side effect is of the puff of air that they blow on my eye compared to where they put that whole metal on my eye. But technology tends to work to improve the, 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 the patient's outcome with less risk and less side effects per se. If I cut you with a big scar, you have pain, you have suffering, you're out of commission for six weeks. If I cut well, you with the, the ones that you've cut, and, in addition to the nerves that you've got, which will never come back, no, because no, I'm, I'm, I mean, he, he will try and look for the nerve and sew it. For the rest of us, we will look for that nerve. <laughs> but for but with a small one centimeter cut, no, you don't have any of those kinds of of problems. Yes, you can bleed, and if you accidentally hit something, you can bleed. The same way when you open you op- with an open surgery, you can also anti- accidentally hit something and you can bleed. But the risks are far fewer. All right, extra. You have your answer there. Let me let me go for a musical break and, and, and cool everybody down. We, we're getting too much into the consulting room <laughs> and too much into the medical issues. If, if you just joined us, we've been trying to get a sense of smart solutions, get, making life easier, simpler, more convenient. My guests for tonight, Doctor Paddy Aite and Doctor Pokuwarian Puma, helping us to understand how medicine and healthcare delivery has not been left behind in this whole technology revolution. They've showed us a few things about how the whole chain, the value chain has been transformed by technology. We now know that the information management system, you have electronic healthcare records, booking of appointments can be done online, practice management software have been deployed. We also know that in the care of the patient, there are surgeries and procedures that are being used that definitely make life far, far easier than it used to be. So we are exploring how going forward, it can be easier, it can be better, it can be simpler for all of us. Let me see if I can get a couple of answers and then open the phone lines. But how, how aware are we of our own bodies? Are we doing well on that score? <laughs> Well, um, pa- you can start. Paddy's pa- 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 clients are, uh, sub- <laughs> you know, the upper echelons of society. So I, I deal with the generality of society. So maybe I can. In fact, there's a large, um, largely we are quite ignorant about how our body works. And this is quite a shame. But, good, but it's not because we don't have the technology. Exactly. It exists today. Yeah. The good book says that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. You'll be surprised at how very, very educated people that you expect to know better the kind of things they do to their own bodies. Many times people go and take all sorts of things, end up even destroying their kidneys. So the, the, the treatment of whatever condition they thought they had now results in further complications, which end up people end up losing their lives as a result of that. So it's, it, is, it is a challenge. And I think one of the things is what well, is cultural and also I think it's the way uh, as a society we look at, um, we view knowledge. Right. You know, because elsewhere, before the patient comes to hospital, they would have even gone to research. You know, and now everybody has a smartphone. So actually information is more readily available. When we started practicing, for instance, there were no mobile phones. Internet was there was no there was no internet. So in fact, even for ourselves, even as medical person, when we were going to study, we didn't even have the book. So sometimes if you are lucky, your boss likes you, give you some of his journals and you photocopy and you read and that kind of thing. Now everything is out there. But at the touch of a button, you can access information about whatever disease condition. So we must, you know, try and educate ourselves 
about you know whatever conditions if you're a mother for instance you are going to have a baby you can read so much about you know what to expect how to what to anticipate etc etc and for yourself as an individual you know if you have a disease condition you can read and you know so that you you become now become you don't become like somebody who goes and then got that paternalistic way of delivering health is is in the past now it's more of a partnership and you must be a knowledgeable and equal partner in how uh, your health is, is treated Dr. Iti, next year, one of the big projects that will be on Springboard in our, our theme for next year is leveraging strategy and technology. And in every solution that we are discussing, whether it's in health and fitness, education, uh, entertainment, sports, we look at every single sector and look at how we can deploy smart solutions, make things easier, better, and simpler for ourselves. And we are looking for a trigger point. And we found out that the mobile phone is one of the easiest yeah. that we can use. Mm-hmm. We are mindful that MTN alone has probably about 20 million subscribers. And if you add on every other network, we have more, more phone, phone than, than lines beings. than human beings. And so that level of penetration and access gives us an indication about the trigger point that we'll be, we'll be using to educate the, the public. So we want to change the perception about the phone and make the phone an ally. So let's start with you. How, what? can the mobile phone do for the individual in helping them to be more conscious, um, benefit more in terms of health and fitness? Okay. Um, this phone has its epidometer. You know, they count your steps. It has an exercise monitor. It has the ability to you can measure your pulse. Uh, I think by the same technology, it's able to measure oxygen saturation. But this one doesn't. Yeah, you can download that. Yes. So to measure oxygen saturation. My client just showed me a, a, a watch that is linked to your phone, mm-hmm. and that watch measures your blood pressure. Uh-huh. It measures your blood pressure in, in addition. And what was interesting about her own is that if she programs it to your number, for instance, whenever her blood pressure is high, it will signal you that her blood pressure is high. Do, so, do something about it. Check on her. Um, there are multiple, multiple things that we can do with our with our mobile phone. I, when, when my clients come to the clinic and ask, how was your last period? And they go look. Most of them now take their phone and just look onto their phone to 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 check it. The interesting thing is that a lot of them have got an app. It's an app that they use that tracks your mobile, that on your mobile phone, that tracks their periods. And the app will tell you ovulation day, safe periods, and things of that, and things of that sort. Um, there are apps that are allows you to actually enter all your various parameters on a daily basis. Diabetics can enter their, their sugar levels. There's actually there's actually a new a new device that allows you to measure your sugar level all the time and it just sticks into the back of your arm. And so you don't need to be pricking yourself all the time. It actually takes that gets the information and then transmits it. You've got people who's who have got pacemakers and a pacemaker can send a signal to their mobile phone for their mobile phone he sends it to their doctor. So whenever they are having an irregular heart episode, the, it's, it's, it's communicated to the relevant care, um, care professional. The options are plenty. Which, so, which is a bigger enemy? Is it poverty or ignorance? Ignorance. It's ignorance. Ignorance. Look, I, I believe the biggest problem we have is poverty of thoughts. Not of the pockets, but of thoughts. Because no matter how poor you are in the pocket, if you're able, you can think your way out of it. But if you cannot think... Then you are sunk. 
So, so your your assessment of our biggest enemy mm-hmm. is not even money. No, no, no. It is the poverty of thought. Yeah. So you're saying that with a, a better grasp, a better understanding of things, even with little resources, yeah. we can optimize the quality of life that with we have. With a better understanding of things, as in getting knowledge, but also with a better recognition of the fact that it is up to you, mm. not up to somebody else. It's up to you, the individual, to create the situation that you want, and not somebody who come and create it for you. We are sitting now waiting for handouts, when the thing that we are looking for is actually a free app away. Right. So let, 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 let me end this this way. So you are, you you are you are an entrepreneur. Yes. So you stress on the role of the individual. You yes. say, forget about the system. Okay. You, the individual, do it. Uh, and, 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 and I can see it as a product of your frustration. <laughs> you work in the public sector. You mm-hmm. can't forget the system. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why I wanted to speak to two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Estonia. Estonia simply said, we will go paperless. Mm-hmm. Not just at the ports. Everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So no doctor writes a prescription for you. No teacher sends a report to the parent at home on paper. Everything is online. And one prime minister changed the history of the whole of Estonia. Not a very big country, but it was just a decision. I would like you, Dr. Iti, to conclude by speaking to the individual and then Dr. Pukwara and Puma to speak to the system as in policy making. <clears throat> one minute for each of you and then we'll wrap up the show. I'll spend 30 seconds to tell you, or 10 seconds to just tell you that Singapore is where it is today because of leadership and if you compare that to Ghana and what they have and, and what we have we should be 10 times better than what we see there right now but after working in the public sector for quite a number of years I just came to the conclusion that the opportunities exist here the things we need to create paradise for lack of a better word is here but we have just decided that we are not going to think it through. And those were the kind of people who were in control of our destiny. And I'm not talking about only at a national level, but at various levels all the way down. Because we put people in position because of Mebahache rather than because of the fact that they can create something new. And so as an entrepreneur, you get up and you see, pub- you see problems as opportunity and decide that this is a problem. I'm not going to be frustrated about it anymore. I am going to do something about it. And you discover that when you do do something about it, people get up and realize that, yeah, I like mm. what you are doing. And I like to patronize your service. And you can make a good living about it, and you'll be happy. And you have a comfortable um, existence because you don't have to deal with the daily frustration of Ibn Niho just because somebody decided to sleep. And you hear that all the time. In the private sector, you fix it. You do your best to get it done. And that depends on all of us. It depends on all of us. Dr. Pukwara Puma, take us home on the... What can be done at the broader macro policy level? Yes, I think um, even no, no matter how uh, enterprising, uh, for use of whatever an entrepreneur is, you still find that you could do a lot better if the, you had a certain support framework in every environment. To, you know, so although yes, our entrepreneurs have tried in various ways to overcome some of this problem, I think that if we're able to create a certain broad framework. And that, that they, they could do a lot more than they are doing. So I think uh, the question of leadership cannot be overemphasized. But leadership, not just at the national level, but at various levels. But also indiv- leadership at the individual level. Because when individuals become aware, then they are able to also demand 
more from their leaders. So education is uh, education of the individual of the mindset is key, and then ethics is also something that we've, we've forgotten about. Because if when uh, we we teach people proper ethics, then the person in leadership will also realize that he's not in leadership for himself, but he's in leadership to serve others and to make things better for those who have elected him. So I think strong ethics. You know, changing that kind of mindset where leaders think that they should be everybody should serve them, but rather uh, they should serve the other people. I think those are some of the uh, key 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 elements that will help us to be able to mobilize technology appropriately to meet our needs because the technology and the things are out there, but how we make them work? Because uh, one of the banks uh, had was were first to uh, start this, uh, you know, what do you call it? connectivity things but because of uh, poor ethics people were putting out plugs and things so the system wasn't working well but when the, some of the private banks entered the system they realized that look, things could be made to work so the technology was there but because of poor ethics and poor mindset people were not making things work so we need that one thing I can see for sure, you've earned the right to talk about seven leadership because for what you do, you put your lives on the line for so many people to have a better life. Let me say on behalf of all your patients, thank you to Dr. Padi Aite and Dr. Opokuwari Ampuma. Right, on behalf of my boss, Comfort, Matthew, Priscilla and Amos, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more